0: Hello and welcome to I Don't Know The Podcast, episode 23, AMASH, the Alien Abduction Helpline. Have you been abducted by aliens? Have aliens implanted a chip in you? Are you having disgusting sex with a cat-headed alien lady? Then you might need the help of the Anomalous Mind Management Abductee Contact Helpline, or AMASH for short. They offer emotional support to anyone with alien problems. They also film extremely long interviews with these contactees. But are they of any help to these poor people? Or are they exploiting their clients underlying mental health problems? I don't know. So listen on to find out what else I don't know about Amash and the Alien Abduction Helpline. The Anomalous Mind Management Abductee Contactee Helpline was set up in 2011 by Joanna Summerscales and Miles Johnston. Joanna and Miles originally met at a UFO conference. Soon afterwards they were holding meetings and workshops and trying to help people deal with the trauma that goes with being abducted by aliens and sometimes fucking them. You may remember they carried out the revolting interviews with the disgusting perverts Simon Parks from episode 13. They also interviewed poor old Tony Topping from episode 17. Not only are their video interviews extremely long and completely unedited, they also usually come in three parts, making each interview around three hours long. Okay, so let's dig in to what Amash actually get up to.
1: They are
2: strange little people going around in very old cars. That is the the being that I claim to have a sexual relations with.
3: What? I says, get ready, we're going to be taken.
4: They would put implants
0: in us to, to track us. Joanna Summerscale's originally trained in media and theatre. She later trained to be a therapist and was drawn into the alternative energy medicine. Or whatever that is. So she's a natural for this. Here's a typical interview with a guy called Kelvin Kerno from Devon. You'll be pleased to know that I have actually edited these interviews.
5: And welcome to another Amash interview. We're here on March nineteenth, and welcome to an interview with the wonderful Kelvin Kerno, who's delightful.
0: Delightful? Is he also lovelying and nicely?
5: Hello. You've been telling us some fantastic stuff off camera. So we're going to share with some of our folk here some of the interesting stuff that you've been sharing. Now Everything started for you very, very young, your contact. So give us an overview of, of the earliest memory you have.
0: Joanne seems very nice. Joanne and Kelvin are sitting in a nice living room with a TV between them that shows the AMESH logo.
6: Um, I think that uh, the first um, memory I have of actually having telepathic um, oh, right. contact with um, higher involved beings um, was when I was 11 years old. Right. And I was living in Cornwall at the time.
0: I grew up in Cornwall, the very southwest of England, a backward county where they don't like outsiders.
6: And um, I was in my bed, I'd just done my school homework, <laughs> and um, I turned the light out, and I had a feeling that I had to go to the window, and that there was something that I would see. And uh, I felt, felt it so strongly that I had to get out of the bed and go to the window. Right. Okay. Uh, and um, I looked up at the night sky. Uh, it was a cloudless sky. Very cold, frosty night. So mm-hmm. lots of stars, no cloud at all. Um,
0: what is it about these experiences that they have to go on and on about things I don't care about? That's why these interviews are so long.
6: I just want to know
0: what he saw. I don't care about the weather.
6: And uh, I'm sort of standing there looking up towards um, the plough as the major. And And so the heavy
0: editing starts. He goes on at length about constellations, even
6: bringing up a picture of the plough on the TV screen. For three consecutive nights, I had an experience, a telepathic experience with two silvery white objects that zigzagged erratically within what I call the box area of the plough. Right. And, and um, they, 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 they were very, very erratic and they made a point of staying within the four points of what I call the saucepan area of right. the plough, okay. the box area. And something said to me that they would be there again the following night at about the same time.
0: So he says he's contacted telepathically by what appears to be a spacecraft. The next obvious thing we'd like to know would be what did they say? Wrong. He goes on over and over again about how it's telepathic
6: until... And on the last and third night, um, they said to me that they would be there again. So the third night I waited and yes, they were there again, as they, say, as they, say, as they said they would right. be. Um, but differently on the third night, after they zigzag around erratically within this box area of the plough... Mm-hmm. Um, they actually became closer, and they actually joined together as one bright white light.
5: Right, okay.
6: And became one unit. As far as I can gather, the only telepathic messages ever had is, same time, same place. Um, now, I was only 11 years old at the time, but I, I, I did have um, special parents. Um, my mother was very psychic, she was very clairvoyant and um, she had many numerous um, out-of-this-world experiences.
5: And did she talk to you about those?
6: Yes, openly. She was a nurse. Is this a pattern? Both Tony Toppin and Simon Parks also had psychic parents. Before she died fatally in a car accident uh, back in 1991, Um, before that she had two near-death experiences. One, when she was giving birth to myself. And um, another one was when, when she actually um, was having a hysterectomy when she was about 40 years old at, uh, at a hospital in Plymouth, Devon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think we want to go much further into that. But Joanne does mention that other experiences, their mothers also had difficult childbirths. And Kelvin has a theory about that as well.
6: Yeah, either that or looking at it from a, from a lighter point of view, perhaps yeah. the, the extraterrestrial souls incarnate here in human appearance, uh, when, it, when, when it's time for them to be born um, physically on this planet, yeah. they're, they're having second thoughts and they don't want to be born. <laughs> and they, they think, my God, what am I doing here? I want yeah. to go back where I came from. Yeah, you know? there, <laughs> is,
5: there is that too. Well, that's, that seems to be common then. Because the energy
6: here is much more dense. He may have a point. I mean, who'd want to be born right now? And, I mean, I can't prove it, but apparently mm. in, my, in my previous incarnation, before I was incarnate here in my current Earth lifetime, I was androgynous. Right. Neither male or female. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and, and uh, again, I can't prove this.
0: Actually, I could easily see that. Joanne gets Kevin back on track and asks him more about the experience he had at 11 years old. He told his dad about it, and it turns out his dad was a radar operator for the R- Royal Air Force. And he'd witnessed UFOs also.
6: He witnessed um, um, craft travelling thousands of miles per hour. This is back in the 1950s. Right. He was obviously sworn to the Official Secrets Act at the time.
5: Did he tell you that?
6: He did when I Hmm. was older. After Kelvin's
0: telepathic interactions with spacecraft, it becomes more intense at age 12.
6: I was 12 years old and I was in the school playground. Mm Mm-hmm and this is a place called Saltash in Cornwall, mm-hmm. and um, where I saw this silvery, sort of greyish craft above the roof of a house, because um, the, the school playground was elevated above most of the town.
5: Right. Well, um, what sort of shape would that be? It was a circular. Cor- right, okay.
6: Yeah. A circular craft
0: above someone's house. I really want to hear more about this unfortunately, Kevin thinks we want to hear the life story of the person who lives in that house. So
6: edit, 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 and... So I I had lots of friends at school. um, Did any
5: of those see the craft at the time?
6: No, in fact, good point to raise that. Um, I actually asked some of the children in in the playground if they could see something that was odd and strange above the house just across about about a quarter Mm. of a mile away from the school. and. None of them could see anything. Only yeah. I had that sight to see that.
0: A schoolyard full of children and no one else saw a large flying saucer above an old
6: lady's house.
5: So, so tell us about the meeting then. Have we got a picture of the meeting? Is that one of the that you've sent us?
6: The, um, uh, the, there was uh, um, an experience that I had when I was 15 years old when I had a meeting with three androgynous, very beautiful beings. Um,
5: And is that the picture we've got,
0: Kelvin?
6: Yes, yes. Let
5: let me have a a little look then.
0: Like the filthy Simon Parks, Kelvin is also presenting paintings as documentary evidence of his alien experiences. Unlike Simon Parks, these were done by a friend who's a real artist. And they're actually pretty good. Let's hear more. He's 15 years old, and he's having a meeting with some hot, sexy Nordics.
6: I actually... um was actually in bed at the time i don't know to this day whether i actually was in a trance or actually having an out-of-body experience or maybe okay. on, on an etheric level yes
7: yeah.
6: yeah um or having a dream but i'm very consciously aware that i i do remember walking down the stairs of my parents house and walking through the kitchen through the back of the house okay. i remember i mean i can see it now it, it, it's there mm. Uh, visually it's there Uh, it's like a recording and this beautiful craft was there um i would estimate probably 30 feet Mm -hmm. 10 meters in diameter Mm -hmm. uh, a beautiful white luminous glow around it there were also horses apparently that he goes on about at length but i cut all that out and there were three um androgynous beings standing by the craft Mm -hmm. And they communicated with me telepathically, yeah. And, and likewise, I did the same naturally.
5: And and so was this. So this your first face to face meeting? Yes. And did you feel excited, or were you nervous or anxious? Or? uh I,
6: I. It was like seeing. Um, well, let's put it this way. I, I felt very much that I knew them, and that oh, they a like knew really visiting me. family, <laughs> like a visiting family, perhaps. Yeah. yeah.
0: I always think visiting family is anything but calm. Anyway,
6: and I must, I must actually make a point in saying that um, I was not abducted. Mm I've always thought of abduction as being going on board craft against your free will, Mm -hmm. but I was invited to go on board the craft. And they, at this,
5: at this, this event, yes,
6: at this event, they invited me to go on board the craft. And did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. He's only 15. Didn't his parents warn him about getting into craft with strangers? I went on board the craft. I remember one being standing across, opposite me on the craft. In the centre of the craft, there were these huge crystals. Um, Like quartz crystals? Yes, Yes. absolutely. I I, I believe this was their power source. Right. Were they
5: clear, Uh, quartz crystals? Because of course you can get many different colours.
6: Ah. uh, no, I don't think they were clear. I think they were mm. colour. Colourful, okay. actually. Colourful mm. crystals. Mm. Um, I've heard of quartz-powered watches. He describes the Nordics
0: again and goes into a lot of detail. Let's face it, we all know what Nordics look like.
6: I have no recollection, recollection of being taken anywhere. OK. Um, however, there must have been a reason why I went on board the craft. Sure. Well, I would hope so. That I might have been downloaded information. Right, OK. Um, to be um, released later in my life. Mm -hmm. But at the time, when I was 15 years old, I was not obviously mature enough to Mm -hmm. um, To deal with that information and that that knowledge.
5: And do you think that's correct? Would you say, would you sense that that's correct? Yes.
0: Sneakily downloading information without him knowing about it. Apparently, he claims that when he was in his mid-30s, all this info came out and he wrote it down. It was possible timelines and events that would happen in his lifetime. But he kept that all to himself because he had no one to tell. Because no one would want to hear about that, right?
5: Uh, do you have a sense of how long you were on the craft?
6: No. No, I, um, I actually remember um, getting on the craft with the three androgynous beings. And uh, I remember getting off the craft... And then waking up in my bed and going to school the following morning. Right. So As if something had never happened. Yeah. As if something had never happened.
0: And that's basically it for Joanne's interview with Kelvin. At least it is for us. There's another two and a half hours of footage and I'm not going through that. It's pretty much a softball interview with a guy making outstanding claims while presenting no evidence of these claims. And Joanne as an interviewer not only agrees with the subject but actually reinforces the claims without questioning. Amesh were getting around five calls a week and over 25 emails a week. They started holding meetings for abductees and they were getting a lot of publicity. They soon caught the attention of Channel 4 in the UK. The result of that attention was the 2013 explosive documentary Confessions of an Alien Abductee. 10%
7: of us believe we've seen a UFO and a reported 1,000 Brits a year think they've been abducted by aliens. Now a special support group has been set up helping the growing number of abductees across the UK.
5: We're just trying to help those who've been through this and find out what is going on for humanity, what does this mean?
7: So who are these people and how does it affect them and why do they think they've been
1: chosen? Do you
0: think you'll find the answer? I think I'm getting very close, yeah. Ooh, This documentary can be found on Amazon. It features, among others, Nick Pope and that filthy degenerate Simon Parks. It also gets a very generous 5.9 on IMDB. 5.9? That's out of 10. The
7: support group is run by two colleagues, ex-broadcast engineer Miles and trained therapist Joanne.
4: I mean, I've been doing UFO research since, I mean, knee-high to a grasshopper, uh, mostly in the last 25, 30 years.
5: I trained as a therapist myself, and then I began meeting people who were clearly incredibly bright but who were having these experiences who, who we didn't have a name for it properly.
0: I think there are actually a lot of names for it, even a lot of psychiatric papers written about it.
7: Self-financed, they have received hundreds of phone calls to their special hotline, with more coming in every week.
5: Hello, Amash. They are
2: strange little people going around in very old cars. Uh, he had a, an eye patch
0: and a, a black suit. Sounds like another call from Cornwall. Don't worry, that's normal for down there.
7: Many abductees face scepticism from the public. And what do you think? Do you think they're making it up? Uh,
4: One of the things we're looking for is being conned and being made into a bunch of lunatics who believe in aliens. I don't believe in anything. I I don't even believe in religion. What we look at is information.
0: That was Miles, and believe me, when he interviews people, he definitely does not put a sceptical side forward. The first abductee Channel 4 meets is Labour councillor and space pervert, Simon. He invites the crew to look at his self-drawn space porn.
2: That is the the being that I claim to have a sexual relations with. So I don't have a name. All, all I refer to her as is the Cat Queen.
0: So you have sex with her?
2: Yes. How often? I don't remember all of it. Um, probably four times a year, something like that. So do you have any alien children? You're looking at one here. This is the name, Zaka. So that's your child? Well, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Not at all, Simon.
7: Simon's encounters with his alien lover have caused problems with his Earth wife, who has asked not to be filmed.
2: My wife, you know, um, found out about about it and was very unhappy, (laughs) clearly. That caused a few problems. Well, was she jealous? Yes. But it's not on a human level, so I don't see it as wrong.
0: And he doesn't? He's still getting his dick wet in space to this day. Next, we meet 49-year-old leopard skin enthusiast, Chantelle.
7: Chantelle is believed to be the most abducted person in Britain with countless reported encounters with aliens. A bit further
3: up here, this street, isn't it? Hang on a minute.
7: One of Chantelle's most vivid abductions occurred whilst with her 24-year-old son, Dominic, outside her local shop.
3: We got to about here, didn't we, Dom's? We got to about here, there were me, Kath and Dominic walking along to the shop. Kath, my mate, noticed it first. She looked up into the sky, she she says, what's that? And I looked up, it was triangle, with all different coloured lights all underneath, pink cerise, neon blue, white, purple. And uh, she says, what's that? And when I seen it, I knew straight away what it were. I thought, oh no. And she says, what? I says, get ready, we're going to be taken. I already knew who it was, what it was. Like, and it was just above that chimney there. Just there?
0: Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Chantel hasn't been abducted over a thousand times, but I just wonder why, why Chantel?
3: We didn't get to the shop because they took us out and before we knew it, we can't even remember walking back on. We were put more or less outside the front door, just turning the key in door.
0: You'd have thought the aliens would have maybe got the shopping for them, you know, for their trouble.
7: Chantelle and Dominic live in a flat overlooking a green. They claim aliens often come to visit them here. Chantelle recognises them as a the type UFO experts call greys.
0: Ugh, I fucking hate greys.
3: When the greys come to take me, they wear black clothing, they wear a black polo neck jumper, what comes right up to chin. Yeah. They wear black trousers and a black blazer jacket. Like they're wearing a suit, but without the shirt. They don't wear... I've never noticed them in all these all-in-one jumpsuits, whatever they call them, all-in-one suits.
0: All-in-one suits? Why,
3: that would be ridiculous.
7: But greys aren't your normal run-of-the-mill aliens. They appear to have a sense of humour.
3: They were moving things, trying to send me bonkers, actually. (laughs) What was moving? Ornaments, everything. They moved me fags, my cigarettes. No. They did. I put them on there and they moved my cigarettes. I looked for them. I couldn't find them. Just walked out there. To I thought, well, I will put them there. And I come back and they were there again. They were moving things.
0: Sometimes moving my cigarettes. I'm not saying it were aliens, but it were definitely aliens. And Chantel's just had enough. She wants it to be over. Another AMASH client is Marie. She not only believes she's been abducted, but she also believes she's been implanted. She's an accountant and she lives in London. It's
7: in this flat that she says spacecraft come to take her.
1: I remember this big, huge ball just came in and it floated down to probably about here. And I just saw the three faces in this ball.
7: As well as seeing ships, Marie believes alien implants have been put in
0: her body.
1: Well, I've got the one in my arm. I mean, it's not attached to anything, it's not sore.
0: She's pinching the skin on her arm and there is definitely something there. Mary decides to go to Miles to see if he can find out what is under her skin.
7: An ex-broadcast engineer, Miles has all the latest equipment for the
0: job. I look at what's laid out on the table and I didn't realize the latest equipment would be three stud finders.
4: Why would aliens put implants in people? Well, we put implants into people to study their biological uh, makeup or their or what they eat. Uh, so, logically, if another species wanted to do it to us, then they would put implants in us to, um, to
0: track us. And to measure our reactions when they hide our cigarettes.
7: First, he checks for any magnetic fields in Marie's
0: brain.
4: Just go around ahead. And, ah, right, there's a spike there. There, see it went up to
7: 0.1. Miles says the average measurement is a third of this reading.
4: Seems to be very, very pencil thin. In tiny dot of an
1: area. Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you think maybe they're emitting signals and it's spiking because of that? Ah, there.
4: When you said that, it went up to point two eight four.
1: Oh my god.
4: <laughs> so when you responded to it, yeah. it, it responded to you.
0: Oh my god, there's something in our head too. In his back garden, Miles
7: has a blackout tent for further tests.
1: So what do, you, do I need to go a top?
4: Uh just just pull your your top up. Uh what?
7: He's got a special UV lamp to check for any traces left by aliens.
0: I really hope he isn't wearing his federal boob inspector t-shirt.
7: For Miles the evidence is conclusive.
0: Well there obviously something is happening in your head
4: with, with something. and. are they're active and they seem to be doing, they have a purpose. We don't know what that is. We simply don't have enough information at this stage. So the only way forward is to develop more techniques to get more information.
1: All right then, Miles. Okay, well, cheers. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'll speak to you on the phone okay. soon. Okay, bye.
0: Well, the words of a former broadcast engineer is good enough for me. The crew get back with most abducted person, Chantelle. She's always anxious.
2: So what do you think they're up there right now?
3: No idea. Might be. See, you know, they tend to do sometimes observe me when I step out. I oh, do. They? I do see the craft. They let me know they're there just to reassure me that they're there. Like, you know, they're watching over me or being protective. I don't know what it is. Despite her constant
7: fear, Chantal does make it home today.
3: I think that
0: short piece actually might point to something other than alien abduction.
7: Her son Dominic and his best friend Danny had brought back the evening meal.
3: Mmm, KFC! For
7: Chantelle, takeaways often seem to be a trigger for abductions. And what happened? What you we
3: just sat eating it. We, we just noticed missing time. We are eating in Kentucky, we looked at time, two to two and a half hours had passed by. But when I noticed all these strange body markings on my body, the bruising everywhere and the needle marks on my right wrist.
0: Same with me. I start eating KFC. Next thing I know, three hours have gone by, I'm battered and covered in needle marks. Wait, no, no, that's scotch, not KFC.
3: I get abducted a lot when we're not eating kentucky light, but it seems to happen a lot as well when we're eating Kentucky or anything to do with chicken.
0: Maybe the greys just love that crispy skin. We go back to space deviant Simon Parks, and he's exhibiting a touch of paranoia himself.
2: There's an Audi behind us, and it has been following us all the time, off and on. So, would you just turn your camera around and film him for me out the back window? Because that'll really.
0: Maybe it's his wife wanting to know who he's really fucking.
2: Yeah, as long as you get the index for that vehicle and just make it obvious that we're filming them. Why would they be following you? Um, Well, maybe they just have an interest. And what we're going to do is we're just going to lose it. Like this. He performs
0: an overtaking maneuver that no driving instructor should ever do.
7: Simon's on his way through a village that a few months ago, he says, became the scene of one of his abductions whilst with a friend.
2: Do you think it happened right here? Oh, absolutely, yes. Just here, where this um, track is, goes off to the farm. We both agree, both myself and the passenger agree, that we were physically taken from the motor vehicle. We can definitely remember being lifted out of the vehicle. Now, I have no idea how, how they did that. So where did the vehicle go? That, that's the question, isn't it? How on earth, A, how, where did the vehicle go? B, how were we put back into a moving vehicle? Huh? This is like evidence. Absolutely. It's, it's where I can actually stand physically, look, and say, not only did I experience this, but somebody in the car also experienced it with me. Can I meet her? Uh, You can, but I don't think that she'll actually want you to film her.
0: So there is no evidence. But back to Marie, who's trying everything to get to the bottom of this.
7: Marie wants to get that scientific proof. She thinks aliens have tampered with her DNA and made her part alien herself. So she's going to a DNA clinic to find out.
0: They've put chips in her, she's untressed in front of Miles, and now she's having her DNA tested. So, she explains to the clinic scientist why she needs to be tested.
1: Basically, I've had some ET experiences, oh. and I believe that they've been tampering with my DNA. Okay. So, I'm now going to take a mouse from you. Okay. Um, I'll show you the swab. I'm going to rub it gently inside your cheek. It's just to pick up a few cheek cells. It's completely painless. Okay, there you it's going to take them about four days to test it. Okay. They'll extract the DNA from the swabs and then profile it. So if there's something okay. not human, I should show up, shouldn't it? Well, if there's <laughs> an anomaly, then you can look at it further, yeah. OK, yeah. That was there to go. Thank you very much you
0: for that. Results later in the show. Marie has other ways she wants to prove her story as well.
7: Whilst Marie waits for her DNA results to come back, she's volunteered to undergo a polygraph. Miles is going to film it and put it on the net.
0: The thing is, polygraphs are problematic. They use basically the same technology from over a hundred years ago and research has shown true results being no better than flipping a coin. But I guess it might give Marie some comfort. The polygraph guy arrives and they
8: set it all up.
7: Marie will be asked questions she has to answer yes or no to.
8: You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to lie to me on this test? No. Have you deliberately falsified any information you have given about being abducted by aliens? No. Before this year, do you remember making up stories to make your life appear interesting? No. Have you deliberately lied to any person about your alien experiences? No. Have you deliberately lied today about being abducted by alien craft on a number of occasions? No.
0: And that's it. So what are the results?
8: Okay. How do you think you got on with your test?
1: I think I should have been okay.
8: Well, I'm going to tell you, Marie, that you didn't. (laughs) I find
1: that hard to believe.
8: Um, The first relevant question is this, um, and that is, have you deliberately falsified any information you have given about being abducted by aliens and you got a minus four?
1: But I haven't really told you that much about being don't abducted. You have to tell me
8: much, you can only have to tell me once.
1: It's complete rubbish. Okay. Complete rubbish. I am not. I don't believe you. Okay. I'm sorry.
8: Oh dear. We're not well, you're saying it hasn't
1: happened. We're I'm, not, not, we're not, I'm not lying. We're not, I told the truth today, 100%. We're not You're saying something I'm lying. are tangible. You're, no, I just don't like being called a liar. I haven't. I didn't lied. call you a
8: liar. Well, Marie. basically,
1: did... you are saying. Oh, that. okay, okay. So
8: that's because well, that's uh, your deceptive.
1: Words. I'm not a deceptive person. I never have been my whole life. I've been totally. Did you want honest. me to do my job correctly?
8: Yeah, of course. Then, then that's what I've done. Well, I,
0: I think she took that quite well.
7: Back at Amash, Miles has heard that Chantal has had enough of her abductions, so he's sending her a device he thinks can help.
3: It looks like a mini vibrator, <laughs> I don't know, is this a device?
0: It does look like a mini vibrator. It's basically a dick-shaped quartz crystal with some wires and a battery. But did it work?
2: And what about Miles's uh, machine, did, did that
0: not work? This
3: machine? On a minute. This, uh, nah, it'll not work, this is just a waste of time.
0: Maybe she didn't put it in the right place. We catch up again with serial alien shagger Simon, one last time.
7: Simon is very close to what he calls his alien family, consisting of a mistress, children and an alien mum. But today he's looking at his human family album.
2: That's me as a very young child.
7: He never knew his father and he was brought up in Brighton by his mother, who was an
2: alcoholic. Oh, But it must have been uh, really hard for you growing up with an
1: alcoholic.
2: Yes, of course it was. It was very difficult. I'm sure she loved me in her own way, but when we would have meals, we would never eat together. In the 18 years that we'd been together, before she obviously died, um, I probably sat and ate food with her three times. If I was to ask you who was a, a better parent, one was providing emotional support and learning support. That would be the alien one. And the other one was providing me clothes, food, warmth. So there were two sides of a coin. So combined, your two mothers, as it were, yeah. made up
4: to be the sort of the mother you wanted or
2: needed. Um, I certainly think that what was happening was that um, a role was being taken by one, and a role was been taken by another. Can I throw a crazy theory <clears> at <throat> myself?
4: Yeah, I can. Yeah. An unhappy, unloved child makes up an imaginary world.
2: If I was going to make something up, I can assure you I'd make up something much happier, much more fun, less dark, uh, and far more grounded in this world than this. And there you have it a one and a half minute clip from a Channel 4 documentary provides 100
0: times more insight into Simon Parks than hours and hours of AMASH videos. And finally, Marie is gonna get the answer to the final piece of her jigsaw, the DNA test.
7: Marie thinks she might be related to her alien family called light beings. And today she's returning to the DNA clinic to get her results.
1: Rebecca, nice to see see you you. again, yep, yep. Okay, so we have your DNA profile here and um, it shows exactly what we would expect, that you have uh, two owl sizes per locus, one inherited from your mother and one from your biological father. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. I hope that's a relief, no
7: problem. According to her DNA results, Marie is not an alien.
0: And so again, Marie feels like so many Jeremy Kyle guests. But at least that wasn't on live TV. No, instead it was on recorded TV, that's available on Amazon for ever and ever and ever. The documentary actually caused a lot of unrest in Amash. A lot of their clients, even ones that didn't appear in the film, felt they had been portrayed as nut jobs and mental cases. Joanne Summerscales was singled out for exploiting the clients. Her biggest critic? was co-founder Miles Johnson, who blamed her for the documentary and the ridicule that followed those who took part. Amash disbanded. Miles set up the Basis project on YouTube where he interviews anyone with paranormal claims from Bigfoot to MKUltra. A lot of his videos begin with long rants slagging off Joanne, much in the same way Joe Exotic talks about Carol Baskin. Joanne pretty much did carry on, but with a new YouTube channel called The E.T. Newsroom, which carries all the very, very, very long Amash interviews.
1: Episode 23
2: Amash and the Alien Abduction Helpline
0: The Epilogue So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that Miles is not a doctor and should not be asking women to do some things.
3: Uh just just pull your your top up.
0: We learnt that grey aliens loved the colonel.
3: We're eating Kentucky, we looked at time, two to two and a half hours had passed by.
0: And we learnt that sometimes the answer to all this is staring us in the face the whole time.
4: Can I throw a
2: crazy
3: theory <clears throat> on myself? Yeah, can
4: an unhappy, unloved child makes up an imaginary world.
0: Amish were terrible at what they did. Now so are the Basis Project and the ET Newsroom. They don't seek any evidence and they don't really ask proper questions. All they do is put a camera on people that obviously have other problems and let them roll so they can get some good footage to put on their channels. It's exploitative and unprofessional. And I think the documentary showed that. The trouble is that well, there was once just one organisation doing it, now there's two. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends and let me know. Join the Facebook group and the Instagram, and you can email me at idontknowpod at outlook.com. Special thanks to our logo creator, Raymond Roel of Project Raven Creative. See all his links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and come back next week to find out what I don't know...
8: We've been waiting for you once you come on in. We'd like to talk to you about your progress and see how things happen. We've had complaints about the noise and the things that you do. Me and the boys have designed to do I don't want pain to so sit